evening. Good to see each one of you here for our midweek service. Would you stand, please? Let's turn to page 440 in your hymn book. A shelter in the time of storm. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4 together as we begin tonight. Page number 440. Sing out with me on that first. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night. A shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no foes affright. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the rock divine, oh, refuge dear. A shelter in the time of storm, ever near. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Sure, thankful for the rock, amen, and uh, thankful for the comfort and peace in this old crazy world, sure thankful for that. Glad you're here uh, tonight and want to welcome you to our midweek uh, service, the Oasis in the Desert, as we often call it, and so let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, ask God's blessing uh, on the uh, services and the music and the prayer time, even the uh, kids' classes and the teen class as well uh, taking place. And let's, so let's pray for those things uh, tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Dave uh, Shane if he would pray for us uh, tonight. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight, and uh, we'll get started uh, right off the bat. Of course, we do have quite a few announcements. If you didn't get a bulletin uh, this past Sunday, they are uh, available, and so trying to keep up with everything that's going on with the school and the church and different things uh, coming up. And I know sometimes that can be a headache and you get to announcements and things like that. And sometimes uh, the eyes start glazing over and stuff, all the information being thrown out there. And so that's uh, certainly available uh, for you. Of course, the next thing we do have coming up is tomorrow night we do have games. And so if you have uh, kids in uh, Faith Baptist School, uh, you need to make sure you're aware of that. We have softball and kickball games going on. And that will start at 6 o'clock uh, in the evening. Usually it goes till about... Uh, 7.30 or 8 or so, and so I want to invite you to come out 
and be a part of that. And then, of course, ladies, if you signed up for the ladies' retreat at Berean Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri, that's this coming Friday and Saturday, and so trust that you know what time to meet and those kind of things. I believe they usually head out about lunchtime, uh, something like that, and so make sure that you're here and uh, ready to go uh, for that. And then, of course, uh, September the 16th, which is a week from this coming Friday, be some more games, uh, kickball and softball games, and that, again, that's Friday evening at 6 o'clock at night. And then Saturday, uh, September the 17th, is our church-wide uh, outreach, and then we have quite a few other things coming up through the month of September. We have our uh, men's uh, Baptist Men's Recharge, September the 23rd and 24th, as well as uh, Brother Joel Scuffum, missionary to Cambodia. Him and his family is going to be here with us that Sunday, September the 25th, and so looking forward uh, to that. The other big thing that we have coming up, uh, of course, is in October, October the 2nd through the 7th is our fall revival with Brother Ted Alexander. And so we started this uh, past Sunday fasting and praying uh, for that. And so, of course, this week is your choice. Uh, maybe something in your life that you feel like gets too much time and devotion, things like that. You want to put that away, certainly do that. And then next week, this coming Sunday, we'll start our fasting uh, from sweets. And so make sure that you participate in that. Pray, pray for Brother Alexander and looking forward to what God is going to do. All right, let's go ahead and get our prayer list out uh, tonight. and We'll go right uh, into that. We do have quite a few requests and different things uh, going on, and so just wanted to mention those things uh, tonight. Uh, good to see missionary uh, Michael Douglas here uh, with us once again. And so do pray for Miss Ruth Douglas, her mom that's still in the hospital and it seems like every time they take a step forward, they have to take a step back. And so just continue to pray for her. Sure, thankful she's out of the critical care unit, but just pray for them as they try to uh, just kind of wrestle with different things and different problems uh, that continue to come up. Also, if you would, pray for Miss Carolyn Moore uh, with Parkinson's. And as far as I know, they're still in the transition process of getting her over into the nursing home there, Good Samaritans Nursing Home. And so, Miss Elaine, did they... They got her in, okay, so praise the Lord for that, but do continue to pray for that uh, situation. Uh, also, if you would tonight, add on your prayer list uh, the Paul Crawford family, uh, that is Brother Randy Douglas, or I'm sorry, Brother Randy Crawford, that's his uh, baby brother, and uh, passed away this evening, and uh, just uh, believe... Uh, uh, from our phone call, uh, had the family there and uh, just had a, uh, they think that he may have had a, a massive heart attack and just died. And so uh, they're trying to get with the funeral home and things like that uh, this evening. And so just a pretty difficult situation. And uh, so pray for Brother Randy Crawford, Miss Jerry, and certainly just precious folks and uh, pray for their uh, family. And so his little brother, uh, pray for that family. So. Anybody else uh, tonight got a prayer request or an update or anything like that as we go to the Lord in prayer tonight? So, all right, Miss Sue. Uh huh. Okay. Excuse me. 
Okay. Okay, Brenda. Okay. Okay. And then Brother Roy's got cataracts, his other surgery coming up. 22nd. I knew there was somebody else on the 22nd. So we got Brother Nugent with a heart doctor appointment. And then, um, okay. So I'll make sure to get that on there. So let's pray. Pray for uh, Dwayne Phillips uh, that we've got on our prayer list, as well as his wife, Brenda, and then also Jerry Bernard, and then also Brother Roy uh, McRae that's going to have the other uh, cataract surgery. He's going to have the same uh, doctor do it, and uh, the one that messed up the last one. So I told him I, I, I would threaten him with a Marine headlock if he didn't get this one right. Amen. And so pray, just pray, though, that everything will go okay. Anybody else tonight? All right, Miss Carr. Okay. My goodness. Okay. Okay. All right, so let's continue to pray for Gary Walton. He's in the second column, uh, about a quarter of the way down there, and, uh, and uh, back in the hospital, and certainly pray for his need to be saved, absolutely. So, All right, I saw another hand going up here. Miss Kristen? 27th, okay. So, yeah, let's pray for uh, Allison Kennedy has that scoliosis appointment, and that's on the 27th. All right. Anybody else? Okay, Miss Marie Christian. Okay, praise the Lord. So we can take you off. All right, praise the Lord. That's a blessing. Thank you for letting me know that. All right, Miss Barbara Bellis. Stitches are out and come out tomorrow. Praise the Lord, and she's doing great. So that's a blessing there. So praise the Lord for that. So let's take Miss Barbara off there. That's awesome. And uh, she's. And she's going to the doctor to get them out. She's not going to let Chuck cut them out, right? Amen. So, amen. <laughs> These military guys, they always want to, they just want to try to be the doctor too. Amen. You got to watch those guys. So, All right. Anybody else tonight? All right, Brother Dan. Okay. Okay. Oh, my. Okay. So let's pray for uh, uh, Dan uh, Wills and uh, his grandma. And she's in the hospital, you said, again? So, okay. Okay. And so let's remember that in prayer. Anybody else tonight? All right, let's go ahead and have our men uh, come tonight and uh, take up the uh, offering. And certainly got a lot of burdens and... Uh, a lot of things on here, uh, certainly things coming up as well that we need to uh, make a matter of prayer. Pray for our revival meeting, Brother Ted, uh, Alexander, and uh, his family. And let's make it a point to pray for him tonight as well as the Crawford family. I know they could certainly uh, need to be much in prayer uh, for them. Brother Rich Raymer, would you pray for us uh, tonight, brother?
most recent uh, prayer letter from the Burgett family, our missionaries in Japan. Uh, no new activity were the words from the neurologist after the brain MRI on June 15th. Uh, Tabitha's MS is being monitored by an MRI every six to nine months. The test results showed no new lesions or shrinking of her brain, and we praise the Lord for his answer to these prayers. The next MRI will be either in January or February, and it will include both brain and brain stem. Please continue to pray for Tabitha's health. Uh, One more request for Tabitha is for clarity of mind. MS can make thinking difficult. She often tells me if I could only think, or it's so frustrating I can't think like I used to. Her desire for clarity is simply to better serve the family and others. Please please pray for her mental clarity. On the 4th of July, the family went to the ocean to shoot off fireworks. During the 45-minute drive to the ocean, we drove through three or four small towns. My mind could only think of those people in those small towns who need the gospel. Please pray that the Lord will give wisdom in how to best reach these. One avenue for evangelism may be by holding an English conversational class. If the Lord wants us to start a class like this, then we would certainly like to. One of the hurdles in Japan is earning trust. Teaching English may be a good way to earn that trust and then be able to present the gospel. For example, Miho is a mother of a little boy whom Elizabeth likes to play with. She has interest in English, and so she came over to the house. We then had the opportunity and talked for more than an hour about life using both English and Japanese. Please pray for God's clear direction regarding starting up an English conversation class. I also had an opportunity to go to a business university here in Nagoka and have a Q&A time. Many questions were asked from politics, Oklahoma resources, and even religion. I was thankful to be able to share the gospel to about 20 young college students. There was one student who seemed interested not in the gospel but in English. Please continue to pray that God would give more opportunities to make him known. I know I've asked for prayer before for a young boy named Taiga. He has changed so much in the last year. He is still lost, but his heart is softer. We learned that his family may be moving this coming April for school reasons. Please pray for two things. One, that he would receive Christ before he moves. And two, that God would allow them to move somewhere close to a good church. Thank you for your constant prayers and financial support. So, good update there. Continue to pray for uh, the Burgets as they, of course, deal with her health in particular, as well as reaching uh, the Japanese people. Brother Will Kennedy, would you pray for uh, the Burgets as well as our other missionaries? Amen. Would you all stand with me, please, one last time. Let's turn to page 436. Page 436. We'll sing all four verses. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Page number 436. Glory, hallelujah, I shall not be moved. 
Anchored in Jehovah, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. In his love abiding, I shall not be moved. And in him confiding, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. Though all hell assail me, I shall not be moved. Jesus will not fail me, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. Though the tempest rages, I shall not be moved. On the rock of ages, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. That should be each one of our determination. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please remain standing. Get your Bibles ready for the message tonight. Brother Eric, well, it's good to be back in the Lord's uh, house and uh, looking forward to our study uh, tonight in Ephesians and in, in chapter number three, the book of Ephesians and uh, in chapter number three. And uh, I have uh, good news tonight. Uh, we're just going to have uh, two parts to this message. And so you're going to get part two uh, tonight and then we're going to be done. And I probably just really messed everything up because we'll end up having part three now. Amen. But I do just want to kind of remind you, if I could, just kind of give you uh, the context here. We know this, that uh, in the, uh, the last part of, of chapter number two, uh, Paul really just, um, you know, dealt with some things, some disunity and things that were taking place uh, between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers within uh, the church of Ephesus. And he just really just kind of set things straight, if you will, to put everybody on uh, level ground. And those two things were this. Number one, we're all saved the same way. Uh, whether you're Jew or Gentile, uh, you have to be saved by faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't matter who you are. But then the other thing, and this is something that I love, is this, is that there are no second-class citizens in God's kingdom. Amen? Uh, if you are a Gentile and you get saved... You have the same access to God uh, that a Jew does. You can go directly to the Heavenly Father and pray 
and talk with Him. By the way, you have the same promises of God that the Jew does. You've been, you've been put into the family of God. And so everything that belongs to the Jew you, belongs to you in Christ Jesus. And so that's a real blessing. But understanding that there was this, there has been this division, if you will, uh, between the Jew and the Gentile. As you get into chapter number 3, the attention really goes to the Gentile to encourage them in their faith. And in fact, much of what we saw at the very beginning of the chapter was Paul encouraging them and sharing with them, rehearsing to them his calling as an apostle unto the Gentiles. And it's to say, this is what God done in my life so that you can hear the gospel and that you can be saved. And so because God has done those things, listen, don't quit and don't give up. Keep serving God. Keep, keep living for God. Don't throw in the towel. God is invested in you. God loves you. God cares about you. Don't quit. Don't quit. I would say to you tonight, same thing. God's done a work in your life and in mine. Don't quit. Amen. Don't give up. Stay faithful. Serve, serve God. But this is what I want you to catch tonight. Look at verse number 8. So he says this, all right, he begins to tell about this ministry a little more detailed. He says, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. And here's what he says, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Hey, listen, if I could say to you tonight, there's been a greater investment than just the Apostle Paul that's been given to you and me. It's the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And look at verse number 9. He keeps on going and says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Listen, don't faint. There's been a greater investment besides the Apostle Paul. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so notice he says, so because of that, look at what he says. He says, for this cause, in verse 14, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, there's that unsearchable riches, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Well, I'm telling you, God sure has been good to us. Well, so here's what we're going to look at tonight. 
What are you doing with what God's given you? And this is part uh, two. Because he, again, he hasn't just given us his, his apostle. He's given us his son. And since God has been faithful to us, I would say to you tonight, he deserves that we would be faithful to him. Father, would you bless the preaching tonight? Thank you, Lord, for those that are here. And God, thank you for your goodness and grace to us. And Lord, may we be once again, Lord, challenged, convicted, Lord, even built up and encouraged tonight in your great love and grace. Would you bless the preaching tonight? And God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me tonight, Lord, just to clearly communicate and to love on your people tonight. Help us, Lord. Thank you for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I uh, just again just want to remind you, I, I, I used the example uh, of someone last week. I, I used the example of someone giving us money uh, to celebrate our 10th our wedding anniversary. And, and be a fact, uh, Faith Baptist Church was certainly a, a wonderful blessing to us on our 25th wedding anniversary and sure thankful for that. Uh, but the idea was to say this, that someone had invested in us with a purpose to use that investment for our anniversary. And then I began to ask questions like this, but what if, what if we didn't do that? What if we didn't, what if we didn't, what if we didn't take that money and use it for its intent? What if we did something else with it? What if we didn't do anything at all with it? What if we did something evil with it? And the point is to say this, that when someone has given you something with a purpose in mind, that you have a responsibility, a stewardship, if you will, to carry out that purpose. And the idea is this, is that it's no different with the gospel. But again, this is what we need to see tonight. See, not only have we been given something far greater, we've been given someone far greater. All right? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is this expectation of stewardship that we would be faithful. And that's, again, that's the idea behind the entirety of chapter number 3 as Paul here is now focusing on the Gentiles and encouraging them, uh, even though there has been this, this difference, if you will, between them and the Jewish believers. And I, and I said this last week, and I listen, I, I realize that we may not have this, this arrogant religious crowd like the Jews attempting to discourage us, but I would say this, though there might be an arrogant religious crowd trying to discourage us, all right? And, but I do know this, all right? We, we, we would understand that in this wicked, wicked world that you and I are living in, that there are those trying to persuade us to give up and to throw in the towel, and you and I tonight need to be encouraged to be faithful. Well, why? Because He's been faithful to us and invested in us, and given us His only begotten Son. And we certainly need to be faithful. I, I will never, I'll never forget, uh, we had a young man that had gotten saved uh, when I was pastoring there uh, in Cassville, Missouri. And I, I know I've shared this story before, but I, I remember him coming to me and saying, Preacher, I, you know, I was at work and I was talking to some of my friends and told them we were, you know, we were in church, you know, now, and, and I got saved and, and our family was going uh, to church, and they said, well, where are you going? He said, Bible Baptist Church. And they went, whoa, they take things seriously over there. Now, you understand, for me, that was a compliment. I was like, yeah, that's right, we do. But that's not the way that they meant it. They meant it as a slander and as a slight. 
And, and again, I, I love his response to his friends. He said, well, these are the things of God. Shouldn't we take them seriously? And when he told me that, I said, that's exactly what I would say. You sound like your preacher, man. That's awesome. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that you hear this kind of stuff uh, from the religious carnal crowd. You certainly hear a bunch of derogatory and, and false claims from the world and, and mainstream media who seems to think that if you believe the Bible any more than you're barbaric and ignorant, but at the same time, this is coming from the same crowd who can't figure out that there are only two genders. All right, so I'm just telling you, I don't, you understand, I, don't, I take that stuff with a grain of salt, so to speak, but at the same time, the constant berating and slandering and, and the false accusations, those things can be discouraging at times for the child of God. And so therefore, we must go back to the investments that have been made in us and, and to remind ourselves and encourage ourselves to keep forging ahead. And again, that's exactly what chapter 3 is all about. Paul has made an investment as an apostle to the Gentiles. Notice verse number 1 of the chapter. He says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. And then at the end down there at verse number 13, it says this, Wherefore I desire that you faint not in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And you understand that, that he was a prisoner of Rome uh, at the writing of this letter. He had been persecuted for faithfully following that call to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And while this is of great importance... You understand, Paul was not wanting to be made an idol that God's people would worship. That was not the intention of Paul. Paul wanted to be an example and a testimony of encouragement, not an idol. And the reason that I bring that up is because you can see Paul bringing that up. But at the same time, that's why the focus begins to shift as you get to verse number 8. Watch this. It shifts from the minister to the ministry that he's been called to do. Well, what's that? To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And from verses 9 through 12, Paul begins to encourage them in the investment God has made in them. As mentioned last week, listen, the mystery that's mentioned all through here in the previous verses of the Gentiles in verse number 6 where he talks about that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promises, the promise in Christ by the gospel. That, that mystery that he keeps talking about, you, you understand, it was a mystery to the Jews and to the Jewish people. However, it was not a mystery unto God. I said it was not a mystery unto God. Listen, you, you understand, it, I'm telling you, the Gentiles coming to God that is all through the Old Testament Scriptures, and here's why. This has always been the purpose and the plan of our God. And this is brought out by Paul in these verses. Look at verse number 11. It says, According to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It was His eternal purpose. It was his, listen, are you a Gentile here tonight? Do you understand? It was God's eternal purpose 
that you would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. That's what God had planned for you. I don't know about you, that's pretty encouraging. I, listen, I'm, I'm telling you, that's, in fact, let's, let's just notice some things here that he begins to deal with. So in verse number 8, he begins to shift the focus from himself as the minister, the apostle of the Gentiles, to the ministry that God had called him to, to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. But then look at what happens in verse number 9. He keeps going and says, And to make all men see, so this is again part of his ministry, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Christ Jesus, or by Jesus Christ rather. So God created all things. This has been in the plan from the very uh, beginning of the world. It's been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, now I want you to think, now I want you to just, we're going we're gonna to do a little Bible study here. Y'all okay? All right? Because one of the things that we said when we started the book of Ephesians was, is that there's a tremendous amount of commonality, if you will, between the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. I mean, in fact, Colossians, uh, Paul points out the same truth that Jesus Christ uh, was involved in creation. So hold your place there in Ephesians chapter 3 and just flip over a few pages, all right, through Philippians and into Colossians and look at uh, chapter number 1 of Colossians and look at verse number 16. So here's what he says to the church at Colossae. He says this, for by him. Now who's that him right there? That'd be Jesus Christ, right? So he says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist pretty good, isn't it? Come on. You, you under, now, now, watch, now watch this. See, because here's what I believe. I believe that like Colossians, what he begins to bring up with about Christ uh, involved in creation, I believe there's a twofold purpose in this. Certainly one of those would be this, that in keeping with the context, it was meant to encourage the believers in, 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 uh, in the church at Ephesus, the Gentile believers. In fact, notice what he continues to go on and say. At the end of verse number 10, he says this, the manifold wisdom of God, and here's the, this is all part of the manifold wisdom of God. Then look at verses 11 and 12. He says, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. So what, what, are you, what are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is this, is that Christ being involved in creation, it demonstrates both His deity and His eternality. You understand, Jesus Christ was not a created angel. He was not, he was not a created man. He is eternal. The Son of God always was, always is, and always will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You understand? So He's eternal. Uh, by the way, He even appears in the Old Testament before His incarnation 
in the New Testament. So therefore, when it comes to our salvation, now watch this, Jesus Christ left the splendors and glory of heaven, was born of a virgin, died, or I'm sorry, lived a sinless, spotless life, and died on the cross of Calvary for our sins, and rose again the third day. So here's, I think, what Paul is trying to get across, that the Creator died for His creation. Okay, so, so how does that apply to me? Well, if you're a Gentile, and you're living under the, uh, under the shadow, if you will, of the Jewish believer, the point is to say this, that Jesus Christ coming for you to save you was not some plan B because the law didn't work. Or that, well, you know, you Gentiles need a little something too. So God's throwing a bone for you. No, no that's, that's not the case at all. Be a fact, this was the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose and plan. This is why, excuse me, this is why the law and the Old Testament prophecies continually pointed to the sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. My friend, it's not the law in Jesus that's the central theme of the Word of God. It's just Jesus that's the central theme of the Word of God. So when it comes to a Gentile believer, we can have boldness and access to God with confidence. Why? Because us too are part of the eternal plan of God in Christ Jesus that He would put both Gentile and Jew in Him. You getting this? I don't know about you, but that's pretty encouraging. Be be a fact, I would also say this, that the other purpose in this was not only to encourage the Gentile, but it was also to, 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 to bring both the Gentile and the Jew together to bring glory to Jesus Christ. What do you mean? Well, if you go back there, you're still in Colossians? In chapter number 1, where he says in verse 17, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Look at what he says in verse number 18. So because of that, and He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have preeminence. Um. There's something similar said in Ephesians chapter number 3 in verse number 21. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Somebody say, Amen. Okay, all right. I was hoping that light bulb thing would, anyways. I don't see any bulbs coming on out there, though. So here's the conclusion of the matter, if you will, all right? There has been much invested in us. Um, We have an apostle to the Gentiles, but even more importantly, listen to this, the Creator has died so that His creation might be saved and live unto Him. Jew or Gentile. 
And there are two great responsibilities that are pointed out here as the result of this, this investment that's been made. And this, these are the two things that I want to give to you tonight. And then we'll wrap this thing up. Number one is this. Is that corporately speaking, this church has the responsibility to be outwardly focused with the message of the gospel. Because of the investments that have been made. The apostles, the word of God, our Savior, dying for us, indwelling us with the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, the, the promises and the blessings and the investments of God go on and on and on. And so therefore, corporately speaking, we as a church have this responsibility to look outwardly versus inwardly and reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So preacher, preacher why, why do you say that? Well, if you'll notice, I skipped verse number 10. But look at it. He says, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. You see this plan for the ages, <laughs> that the Creator would die for the creation. This manifold wisdom of God, he says, is to be known by the church. The phrase might be known literally means to certify or declare. Well, well why? Why does he say that? Well, well, here's why. So that they can preach it to a lost and dying world. Now, obviously, when you and I look at verse number 10, I don't know about you, but for me, there were about two days of repeating this verse over and over again, trying to figure out what it actually said. And I didn't get it until about 6 o'clock tonight. So there's a lot of, you understand, these are the things that the preacher stresses out about in ministry. All right, well, you'll get it one day. But here's what I'm just telling you. Obviously, I would say to you, this is very difficult. All right? In fact, as you, as you start reading commentators and things like that, this is really what messes you up, is because you read that and you go, man, what does that say? And instead of meditating on it, you read what a commentator has to say, and he gets it backwards. So there was about a day and a half spent, spent going, okay, that's not right. Come back to square one. All right? So yeah, that, see, that's easy for you to say. Yeah, there you go. That's, you should have done that, preacher. I know, I know. All right, but look at verse number 10 again. He says, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So they, what, what the deal is, is they get it backwards, and here's why. Now watch this. Because they look at this verse singularly. In other words, there's a context here, right? And, and if you look at it, verse number 10 is linked to the punctuation of verses 8 and 9. So if you go back up to verse number 8, it says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make known, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which, be, from which, or which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, colon, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known 
by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So what Paul is doing here, now catch this, he is rehearsing his responsibilities in the calling that has been vested in him. In verse number 8, he's to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ to the Gentiles. In verse number 9, he's to make all men, Jew and Gentile, see the mystery in God's plan. In verse 10, he is to certify, declare, or make this manifold wisdom of God known in the church. That's what he's saying. Now why? Why would he do that? Well, here's why. So that it's not just Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, preaching these things. But it's also the Lord's churches preaching these things. So how are we to make this? How are we to take this investment that's been given, in the, given to us? How, how, are we to, how are we to take it and use it as good stewards and you know, be the return, if you will? that God expects of us. Well, I think that there's two ways, one of which has really kind of already been given and kind of been brought to the surface, and that's this, the message that we preach. I mean, if we're going to take what God's given us and we're going to use it the right way as a church, corporately speaking, then that begins with the message that we preach. Wouldn't you agree? And you understand and I, listen, when we begin to say that the gospel of Jesus Christ, now watch this, if we start saying that the gospel of Jesus Christ is only for a certain group of people based upon some man-made qualification, then I would say to you, we're not being good stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be a fact, there's been, there's been these false doctrines that have come out. And said things like, well, you, you know that, that God predestines a certain group of people to go to heaven. And so therefore, He predestines a certain group of people to go to hell. Now, my problem with that is, is that my Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the last time I checked, whosoever in the Greek still means whosoever. And, and be a fact, I've also done a little studying on this word predestined. And what I have found is that nowhere in the Bible is that word predestined used in the context of dealing with someone about their salvation. It's always used in the context of someone that's already been saved. And therefore, because of their salvation, they are predestined to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I'm just saying to you that if you start buying into some foolish nonsense like that, and here's why people typically do, it's because they read a book that, you know, was written by a guy that believed that doctrine rather than reading the book that will keep your doctrine in line and keep you, in, you know, uh, preaching and, and being a good steward of, of what's been given to you. Maybe in fact, I would even say this, there have also been false doctrines that tell men that he can't be saved due to the color of his skin. Or, or you know, what nationality he is. Or, or 
well, you know, there, there's this sin that's, that's in your life, and so you can't be saved. And I would say to you tonight that we better be careful of those kind of things too. Because none of those things, you don't understand, none of those things matter to the Lord Jesus Christ. I said none of those things. He died for all. He died for all. And He took all sin upon Himself. And, and so it's not just certain ones, friend. He took all sin upon Himself. And so that all men can be saved. The black man can be saved. The brown, whatever color skin. The gospel needs to go to every creature, including the 1040 window. And I'm saying to you tonight that even the homosexual and the transgender crowd can repent and be saved. I'm telling you, one of the biggest things that I have watched over the years as a pastor is to watch either other preachers or other churches major on the minors or minor on the majors and take something out of context and run with it. And the next thing you know, all they're spewing is a bunch of hatred and bitterness and fleshly anger towards certain crowds or certain groups of people. And I'm telling you, and, and, and listen, and that is vastly far from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. And what a poor stewardship that is of the gospel that's been given to Faith Baptist Church. Amen. That we would take it and say, well, it, it's really, it's not for you. And well, it's, it's not for you. No, my friend, it's for every person. Amen. And every person needs to hear it. And every person needs to be saved. I'll, I'll never forget when I was, years ago and I was pastoring and, and uh, there was a church, it was actually a church in Kansas. And I uh, needed a pastor. And uh, a friend of mine was there pastoring and, uh, and ended up resigning and didn't know what all had happened. And, uh, and so I reached out to another pastor friend of mine who was near there and come to find out he had actually reached out to this church and, and it offered to help. And they said, we'll take it. And so he started sending a, a man out there to pastor, to, pr- or to preach, you know, and just kind of help him and leave, love on him and lead him along until, you know, God put a man there to the pastor. And he, and he started telling me about it. And he said, brother, he said, I didn't really know what I was going out there until uh, a few weeks ago. And he said, let me tell you what happened. He said, I had a so I was sending a guy out there to preach on, on Wednesdays and Sundays. And, and, and what happened was there was another family in our church and the, and the man works in the oil field. And it just so happened that his company was sending him out in that direction, uh, in that area. And so he had decided he was going to go to the Wednesday night service. And so while he was out there and he was working with all these oil hands and, and all these roughnecks, he started talking to him about the gospel and inviting him to church. And, hey, we love for you to come to church. I'm going to go to church over here at this church here tonight. Why don't you come with me? And so all the guys were there. Well, we don't have really anything else to do. So, yeah, let's go. And so I, I don't remember how many guys it was. Probably six, seven, eight guys, you know, come piling in on a Wednesday night and sit there in the pew, a bunch of oil hands. And one of them was a member of this man's church that was trying to be a blessing to this church that, that needed a pastor. And he said this, he said, brother, he said, you ain't going to believe this. He said, but my guy came back and told me what happened. He said, he said, when they came in the church, everybody just looked at him like, I can't believe you're here. 
And nobody in that church went up and shook their hand, welcomed them here. In fact, in fact, they began to express their disdain for them coming into the church in their work clothes. And I thought, you're kidding me. I'm telling you, man, I wanted to throw something in the, through the wall. Who cares? Who cares? And listen, you understand? Yeah, I know church members that come in on Wednesday night in their work clothes because they're just trying to get to the house of God to be faithful and hear the preaching of God's Word. You've got to be dumber than a box of rocks to act like that. You, you understand, when people come into the house of God, they don't need to be looked down their noses upon. You know what they need to hear? They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they need to be shown the love of God in Christ Jesus through God's people going up and loving on them and welcoming them and, and saying, hey, we're glad you're here. I'm telling you, that ought to be the attitude of God's people in Faith Baptist Church. But it's not just, listen, it's not just the message that we preach. It's how we treat one another. Because I'm telling you, what churches are more well known for today is not being outwardly focused, it's being inwardly focused. And we're eating ourselves up from the inside out. And you got stories today about families leaving the church over the color of the carpet and, and the, the, you know, the, the, what kind of tile went into the bathroom remodel and they're mad about it and leaving. Listen, you got stories like that and here's why. Because they're true. When all that stuff doesn't make a hill of beans in the light of eternity. Right. Crazy the things that people get mad about. I remember pastor one time we had a family come in and visited our church and on a Sunday night. And so the next Saturday we went out and visited with them. Said, hey, we're glad you guys came by. Uh, why'd you come? I said, well, our church has business meetings every Sunday night. I went, oh boy, that's fun. I don't like having them once a year, but I still have to. But that's why we have it once a year. Every Sunday night, and here, and they said this. Here's what happens: they start arguing over how much uh, money was given to the pastor for gas because he had to go make hospital visits up in Springfield and down in Rogers, Arkansas, and all that. And I'm thinking, oh, so they don't want their people to be ministered to, huh? And then you know they're mad because of of the pe money that was spent on the pizza for the youth group and all. And I'm and I'm sitting there thinking, what a bunch of baloney. You understand, please, and please understand this. I want to be a good steward of the temporal things that God's given us. That's why we got the parking lot out there fixed tonight. It, praise God for that. Amen. No sinkholes. You're not going to drive through and your car disappear. <laughs> what a blessing that is. And, and, I, but I, and I also understand this. If you can't trust the leadership of Faith Baptist Church, go somewhere where you can. And you may not like that, but I'm just telling you. But I will say this. I think there's pretty good accountability going on around here. But you understand, listen, when you have stuff like that that goes on, what a poor testimony that is. When we're supposed to be shining the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and when people come into this place, they shouldn't be sensing a bunch of tension from one family in one set of pews versus one family over here in the other set of pews and it's like the Hatfield McCoys when you walk into the building. It shouldn't be that way. And don't look at me in a light like that stuff can't happen. You ever been into a home around a married couple when they're fighting and they'll try to act like everything's alright but you can cut the tension with a knife. Don't you think it can happen in a church? 
Oh, I think so. One of the things I've always been so grateful for is when God called us to Springfield, Missouri, and the Lord led us to Berean Baptist Church, was I've always said this about Berean Baptist Church. They taught us how church was supposed to be. Because one of the things that I loved when I went into Berean Baptist Church was the man of God would stand up and take the Bible and the Word of God and he'd begin to preach the Word of God. And he'd say, this is what we believe. And he'd say, now take your Bible and turn here and let me show you why we believe, what we believe. And you got the meat of the Word of God and the doctrine and the preaching of the Word. But listen, it wasn't just that. There was also love between one another and there was fellowship and there was generosity in serving one another and ministering to one another. And what I'm saying to you is this, is that that's how every one of the Lord's churches ought to be, especially Faith Baptist Church. Amen. See, it's not just the me- I'm just telling you, it's not just the message that we preach, it's how we treat one another. Well, that, that's, that, sends, that sends a message as well in and of itself. But here's the second thing. I want you to grab a hold of this. The second thing is this. Individually speaking, the believer has the responsibility to be inwardly focused with a consistent walk with God. See, I made you nervous when I said inwardly focused, didn't I? I'm not talking about being a better you. I'm talking about you learning to walk with God. In fact, because I'm telling you, you say, why do you say that, preacher? Well, because you can see the corporate, the corporate application being made all the way down to verse 13, but in verse number 14, here's, notice his prayer. Notice Paul's praying for them. This is, this is the second time he's praying for them that he's written about in Ephesians. And here's what he says. He says in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. You understand that, that, that I'm telling you, Paul is saying that, that, he, that he, this is his prayer, that you would be strengthened in your inner man by a spirit, that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith, and that you would be able to comprehend the love of God towards you. Oh yeah, and by the way, he can do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. Because here's the reason why, watch this, because as much as we would like to have a perfect church, that's never going to happen. I said that's never going to happen. Because we're a bunch of sinners. (laughs) What? I know it's a shock, isn't it? But that means that there's also going to be times where we disagree. Times where we might fight or argue about something. Even even the lost and dying world outside can be cruel. But regardless of any of those things, watch this. You and I have been given much in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we as individual believers have the responsibility to 
to be faithful to the one who has been faithful to us. And please don't sit here tonight and walk out and go, okay, I can be faithful to God, but I don't have to be in church. No, that's not being faithful to God. Because Christ died for the church and gave himself for it. In fact, the book of Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus. You need the church if you're going to grow spiritually in your walk with God and be in obedience to him. But regardless of what goes on, whether it be inside these doors or outside these doors, you and I can still be faithful to him. Well, how's that? You know what's funny? is that it always comes back to prayer and Bible reading. And here's how. By being strengthened in the inner man through prayer and the Spirit. How do you think you're going to be strengthened in the Spirit? By getting on your face before God and seeking Him. Look at what He says. That He would grant you, in verse 16, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened in the... That with, the, with might by His Spirit in the inner man. I, listen, I can't help but to think about David when he encouraged himself in the Lord when all of his men turned against him and wanted to stone him when they came back to Ziklag and found all their families had been, had been kidnapped at one of the great low points of his life. David strengthened himself, strengthened his inner man. How? Because he got on his face and sought God. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to my prayer closet, discouraged, burdened, feeling weak, yet left with, with, with the loads lifted and peace where there was fear and joy where there was sorrow and strength where I felt so weak and discouraged. I'm just telling you, prayer still works. Then here's the other thing, get in the book. Get in the book. Look at what he says. Notice he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. How are you going to learn that? How are you going to learn that? How's your faith going to grow? Well, I'm going to go home tonight and psych myself up. Well, that might work tonight, but it ain't going to work for tomorrow. I think you ought to get in a book. <laughs> that ye being rooted and grounded in love. How are you going to be rooted and grounded in love? Get in the book may, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and in depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. How are you going to know? How are you going to know the love of Christ? Well, I just watched this really great movie the other night. Get in the book. I said, get in the book. And you'll find, you will find that God loves you far more than you ever can even comprehend and understand. One of my favorite passages to this day, I'm telling you, when I got saved, I didn't understand. I didn't, I'm just telling you, I didn't understand God's love for me. I really didn't. I, I knew that I had lived a wicked life in the things that I had done. And I just, man, I'm, I struggled. Guilt, all of that stuff. One of, my favorite, one of my favorite passages to this day is the prodigal son. Still to, my, still to this day. I can't, I can't, I can't not read Luke 15 without going mercy. Because when he, when he finally comes to himself and he's willing to come back to the father's house as a servant, the father runs to him and falls on his neck and kisses him. 
And he doesn't receive him back in as a servant. He receives him back in as a son. Put a ring on his finger. Shoes on his feet. Kill the fatted calf. This my son was lost and is found. Son. I said son. His son. Not son. But you could do that too. Because isn't that wonderful? Can you understand why Christ told that story? Because, listen, you go back and it's all one giant parable. And he's sitting there with a bunch of publicans and sinners and the Pharisees and the scribes. Go, oh, I just can't believe he's sitting there with them. And he tells that story because he wants the publicans and the sinners to know the love that the Father has for them. Amen. The breadth and the length and the height and the depth. You have no idea how much God loves you. But you'll sure start to get a taste of it if you'll get in that book. And you start leaning upon him and trusting in him. And you'll find out this, that he can do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask. And I know we like to talk about material things when it comes. But listen to me. Don't ruin that verse by limiting it just to temporal things. Because it's way more than that. So much more deeper than that. That in the midst of all this chaos and confusion, we can walk with God. The individual believer can walk with God and have access to God and be filled with His peace, with His wisdom, with His love, with His grace. I, I think because of all that, He does deserve glory Amen. in the church throughout all ages. So what are you doing with what God's given you? you got a Bible. you got access to God. you got salvation. you got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. What are you doing with it? Let's not, let's not pouch the lip and moan and cry and whine and want to throw in the towel. Hey, let's be encouraged in what God's blessed us with. And let's serve Him. Let's all stand for you.